and welcome to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for the beginning of March. My name is Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not Crossy Road. And, uh, and oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, and with us... Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, uh, Jeff Atwood. Yeah, strong start. Strong start. Yeah, strong, very <laughs> strong start. All right. So to add to that strong start, to bring everyone down, I'm going to say that my... Game of the week is not Tom Chick's cancer. There you go. See, that it, is, got that is the most notice. unfun thing I can actually think of. Oh yes, no, but he uh, he came out the other side. Uh, I think he took cancer down with a uh, a side pseudo, um, which is you know the strongest thing you can do to cancer, I believe. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> Big Tom fan, so I'm glad things are going well. I'm glad yes, recovery. That's great. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, we're all very relieved. Um, but yeah, so Jeff, what have you been up to since it has been three years since you were last on the show, which is just crazy because uh, it seems like just yesterday. Well, maybe not yesterday, but if, you know, last year. Yeah. So yeah, I looked this up. It was um, last February 2012 was the last time I was talking to you guys. It was you and um, Tom, of course. Yeah. And in that, I said that my game of the week, I guess we weren't doing not game of the week at that time. We were doing... Fair enough, week, yeah. <laughs> was actually the quarter to three forums. Oh, that's a good game sometimes. I you remember that. But my idea was that the the game of the forum actually is the longest game and the game that sort of transcends all the other games that you play because I realized that, you know, I play the games and then you talk about the game. And talking about the game and playing it is really this transformative part of the experience, right? It's <laughs> It's like you have this sort of solitary experience and then you sort of share it with others. And it's interesting... That in the time that we talked, like Twitch became this huge phenomenon, and That's Twitch true. is weird because it's you filming yourself playing a game. Yeah, that doesn't sound like it would be interesting, right? But if you think about what I just said, which is you play the game and then you share your experience of playing the game, it starts to make sense. It really does, uh, you know. And Twitch has fulfilled like quite a, a few interesting like little like bits of uh, our you know industry, in that it can also work as a way for people to. Uh, check out a game, you know, that they're interested in. It's really good for PR purposes. You can do streams of developers talking about their games or playing older games like the guys from, uh, you know, uh, other side games that are doing the the revival of Underworld. They had a uh, they some, they had like the Looking Glass crew playing uh, Ultima Underworld one earlier today, and I think uh, Richard Garriott stopped by and everything. So it's kind of a uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I think Twitch is pretty cool. The other thing that's fun is, uh, and I'll probably get hate mail for this, but that's okay. That game, The Last of Us. Now, I don't have a PlayStation. I have no plans to have a PlayStation. I heard it's a great game. Yeah. But I actually just wanted to see all the cutscenes. I wanted to treat it like a movie. Yeah. So I didn't do it on Twitch, but I went to YouTube and I just watched all the cutscenes. I was like, wow, that was a good movie. I actually would have watched that. I would have paid good money to sit in a theater and watch that movie, right? Like, I didn't need to play the game. The cutscenes were really good in that game, and they told this really interesting story of the relationship with this guy and his daughter, right? Um, I think that's fine. And a lot of times, one of the ways I explain gaming to people, although with the Gamergate stuff, it's become kind of embarrassing to be a gamer, to be honest with you, uh, is that you can either watch a movie or you could be in a movie. And to me, the be in a movie part is much more fun. Not that there's anything wrong with passively watching and, you know, seeing a story transpire and sitting around the campfire and telling stories is part of the, you know, that's since the dawn of human civilization, we've done that, right? It's a good, good thing, telling stories. But it's even better 
when you can be part of the story. And one game I still play a lot, embarrassingly, is uh, Battlefield 4. And one thing I like about it is it's this big sandbox. Oh, yeah. And you have all these different weapons, all these different gadgets, and these different vehicles, and it's just all these other unpredictable people are playing the game, so you don't actually know what's going to happen in any given game, unless you're playing something boring like Locker, where it's just like a grind. But a lot of the opener maps, it's sort of, you'll have these things happen to you that are really strange, that like, I've never had that happen to me. Like, the other day, something happened, it's like, I have never been on this part of the map. I've played this game hundreds of hours, and I've never actually done this, right? Um, and the experience is different every time, and you're the star. You are the star of that story. True. Uh, the way that the game plays out. So it's like, this collaborative experience where everybody gets to be the star. And I think that's really compelling. And in some ways, you see the rise of Twitch is like, well, maybe eventually this would replace movies in some way. Like, I don't know. That's how big it is, right? Like, Twitch had got so big. Because Twitch was yeah. originally, I don't know if you remember, it was just in TV. It was like some goober going around recording his whole life, which sounds <laughs> yeah. super boring and was super boring. But some part of that site was like, okay, we're not going to do that. We're going to do videos of people playing video games. And it just blew up. Like, it was, like, huge, obviously, because, of, you know, Amazon bought them for a billion dollars or whatever. But you see why, right? Like, yeah. watching people play games is really, really interesting. And as the games get better, more advanced, you know, we have these consoles that have eight gigabytes of memory now, which is awesome. Uh, you can have these amazing sandboxes uh, that are oh, yeah. really, really fun to watch. So Yeah, and, you know, one thing, too, that it's filled this really big niche with, and I, I think one of the big reasons it, it got to where it is, is, you know, I'm a big... Riot Games of League of Legends fan and uh, you know they do a lot of uh, tournaments and broadcasts and stuff and uh, a lot of like the higher level players uh, will stream and if you're interested in the game it's a good way to like learn stuff uh, by watching better players play and uh, and also with the you know the tournaments and everything it's pretty cool to watch the competitions if you're into esports and like you know Starcraft and Dota 2 have a huge um presence as well. Not like League of Legends, uh, but it does. They, they certainly show up. Yeah, well, I used to watch replays on uh, Total Annihilation to learn <laughs> what people were doing. Now, back then, we didn't have these fancy video streams, right? It was just, you would download this file, you would load it in yeah. the game, and then it would play back as if that person was playing. You sort of observe from all sides. So this is just a le- lower friction version of that, because you, a, you don't even have to have the game installed, right? Which is nice. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you just click a link in your browser, and then you're watching other people play. And this this Darwinism of strategy was always really interesting to me because good strategies get copied like almost immediately because everybody sees, oh, that person's doing really well. What are they doing to do really well? And then everybody copies that strategy and it gets super hard, super fast on a global scale when that starts happening. So yeah, um, it, I, I played a little bit of League of Legends. I played a little bit more Dota, but I, I eventually stopped playing because I was like, I can't spend 50 minutes per game anymore yeah. with three kids and like a job and my wife has a job. Oh, yeah. Um, you get to a certain age where it's like 50 minutes for a single game starts to sound like kind of a lot, right? That's why I gave up kids and all that. <laughs> yeah, give up kids. That's a good choice. <laughs> I think you should do that. And then the other thing that, that bothered me, although I think those games are brilliant, to be clear, like these MOBAs. Oh, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic games. The one thing I didn't like about them was that it was really true once you got a certain level in the game of skill if one person on your team is really bad you're just super fucked oh yeah no that that is absolutely true and that's a bummer because you could have four really good players and one super bad player unless the other team has another super bad player 
Yeah. You are boned. It doesn't matter what you do. It literally doesn't matter. You can just sit there and randomly click on stuff and you will lose. It doesn't matter. You can put the best game in the world and it's so hard to overcome one really, really bad player. Now, an average or mediocre player is a different story, but like occasionally, or somebody drops, right? The other thing, somebody drops, like right. the game is just ruined because every player is so critical in those small matches. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of like part of what goes on with... um like League of Legends ranked play is it kind of ends up evening out because there are people that drop and uh, you know it's really frustrating uh, in the end but yes it, 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 it I hate losing you know a 45 minute game because somebody quits yeah yeah somebody quits or somebody just you got matched wrong I mean they do right. and they do a good job to be clear like you said these are solvable problems right you could have some level of play like bronze or something where people just don't drop you know like they have good connections they have a really good history they're not the type they're not quitters they're not going to give up just because they're behind a little bit or whatever right so I think these are all solvable problems and then Riot Games does some really interesting interesting stuff around um, culture yeah if you read all the stuff they do with research about how to encourage oh, yeah. sportsmanship and stuff so I've actually been studying them a while. Um, they're one of the few companies to really apply this. It was funny to hear them talk about recently they started randomly awarding these awards for good behavior. Yeah. And one of the things they said, which is true, although I wouldn't say this out loud, but they did, was that, I don't know if you know the theory of intermittent variable reward, but basically it says if you tell somebody they're going to get a reward if they do X, you don't really get a good behavior because they're doing it just to get the reward. Right. If you randomly award people for good behavior, they don't have this connection between, you know, I must do this uh, to get this yeah. award. They just do it because there's a chance. I don't know when it's going to happen. It's like a slot machine. This is why slot machines are addictive, by the way, because you don't really know what's going to happen, and that's exciting. Sure. Right? I might get an award for good, good behavior, right? Whereas if they promised it, if they said, oh, you know, do this 50 times in a row, and then you get this thing, it's about doing something 50 times in a row. It's not about, oh, I want to be on good behavior because good things happen to me when I behave like a reasonable person, right? Right, yeah. Um, so they get it, but sometimes they're a little high school-y in the way that they talk about it, right? Like they just told people that's the reason, which I, I don't know if I would do that. I would talk about, like, look, this is about... You know, the broader sense of you should do this because it's the right freaking thing to do. It's not about right. the award. It's about you should be doing this anyway, right? And if you happen to do this, hey, you know, good things happen to good people, man. And bad things happen to bad people. But we can't tell you when and we can't tell you how. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I, I, they really have done, like, a lot of interesting stuff with their community. Um, they've And they've worked on a lot. I mean, having played since beta, uh, I've been through, like all the different community types that they've had and directly after beta up until they started doing like a lot of their um kind of attitude shaping stuff was was the worst time uh, it just right. it, it went and it like it totally peaked like right before they started just with the whole uh ranked games and people just raging constantly uh it just it, it got way out of control no it's good that they're approaching the problem because culture really matters i mean nobody wants to be treated like shit, basically, and right. you shouldn't be treated like shit, and the problem is it's, you know, anonymous, you know, the gift, right? The right. Global internet fuckwad theory. It's yeah. really, really true. <laughs> um, so they were smart in the way that they set that up, although one of the things they did early on that I thought was kind of cheating, they basically just turned off opponent chat, meaning when you type something in chat, yeah. by default it doesn't go to opponents. I thought that was kind of cheating a little bit. I mean, I, I see why they did it, and I don't disagree with it, but I think it's just kind of like, oh, yes. well, yeah, obviously that's going to work, because all of a sudden yelling at the other player that you, you friggin' suck, is, and we're going to crush you, 
it becomes you know an additional step. You just added friction to that you got to like turn on some mode where you're talking to the other team. It's not the default. Yeah, so which that is was just low that, hanging fruit, if you will. That was one of the things that I found interesting because yeah, one of the updates they turned off all chat as a default, and um, you know it's just standard enter. You talk to your team. Uh, shift enter goes into all or whatever, and you can talk to everybody. And if you don't see what the other team is saying, uh, I actually noticed that I started playing better. Um, you know that kind of thing, winning more games because you you stop like freaking out, you stop like arguing with people, and you know it just kind of puts you in this like bad position. Uh, oh yeah, mental, yeah, yeah. mentally. No, no, no. Negativity. You know? Oh yeah, negativity doesn't really work. You got to be like the positive guy. I mean, this is right. leadership one, right? Right. You don't go in saying, "Oh, there's no way we're gonna do this. We're all screwed. We're doomed." Right? Like then right. it just happens that way. You're like, you're like, we can do this. You know, let's pull together. Like you know and. And people get excited by that. This is just leadership 101. But you could teach that. I think that's great. And right. um, anybody who hasn't, I don't have links or anything handy, but like the Riot Games, the stuff they've done, I think is fairly industry leading in this regard of trying to really actively encourage essentially teamwork and leadership. Because that's what the game is. I just had a conversation with you about, hey, if I have five players and one of them is just absolutely terrible, I'm boned, right? Like, right. <laughs> the teamwork is not working. This is a game that, I mean, if you don't have teamwork, you can't win, period. Right. I mean, Counter-Strike was a little bit like that, but there were so many more players. Yes. That I kind of actually prefer, this is a, another reason actually I prefer Battlefield, because when you have 64 players on Earth, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the statistics are better for you. You oh, have yeah. five players that totally suck, and you're just not as doomed. Whereas if you have three players that suck, and you're on a five-player team, you just, just quit, because you're going to have a bad experience, and it's going to take 50 minutes to play out, probably, if you're unlucky. And right? it's it's almost the exact same thing as, like, World of Warcraft's design, the way they changed their raids, because, like, when it came out, it was a 40-man raid, and you could totally carry, you know, six, seven dudes that were just god-awful. You could, you know, it didn't really matter, as long as you had yeah. good enough players. And, and I think that's healthier for the game. I think that's yeah. one of the flaws of that particular style of game, is they just have a low number of players, and there's certain trade-offs. I think I prefer the statistical variability of having larger games with more players. Um, oh, yeah. There is a point of diminishing return, though. I will say that, because there are some 64-player maps where it's just like, it's just friggin' chaos all the time. Oh, locker. Like, you yeah. come out, and you're just shot. It's like, where, what, you know, what the hell is even happening? Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's guys, like, flanking you from three sides, and, like, you spawn, and you're immediately dead. That's not fun, either. Um, so there's a diminishing return. Like, I don't know that I would want 128-player games in Battlefield, although no. I, eventually one year I'm sure we're going to have this. Yeah. It needs to be a much bigger map. One thing I found that happens and I can speak to Battlefield because i played like 500 freaking hours in this game is they really amped up the detail in Battlefield 4 I don't think many people appreciated this but there were a lot of little sub areas in the map that you would fight over one of my least favorite is like the classic parking garage where you go up the, the ramps and the uh, stairs. Yeah. That that piece of geometry I never want to see again. Yeah. It's like if I have another fight in a goddamn garage, or, I'll start shooting yeah. real people, you know, because I'm so upset. Yeah. But uh, you, you have these fights and these subsections of the map, and they're really fairly detailed sections, and you have little strategies based on certain areas have like overwatch over other areas and you can sort of hone in on I'm on this area of the map I'm going to hold this area down I'm not even going to worry about the other of the maps unless something critical is happening because there's so many players right and I just can't handle going to five points with that many players um, that's kind of you end up compartmentalizing a little bit even with 32 versus 32 of uh, having subsections of the map that you sort of hang out at rather than trying to do the whole map at once and I think as, as the number of players gets larger that effect will become even more pronounced Mm. Um, and it's also a good argument for roles like the commander role, 
where you're not even really on the field, right? You're yeah. the hacker, as they call it in Battlefield Hardline, where you're just sort of doing stuff on the map. I think you could have a couple different players like that that were helping in various ways. Kind of opens up a little bit. Yeah, that's actually a really cool concept too. Yeah, you know, I've I've never done the commander mode in uh, Battlefield Four. Uh, it's a little bit boring, to be honest with you, because I think they they should have given you the ability to drop like a serious weapon. You can drop like a a quad bike. You should be able to drop like a lightweight APC or something. Oh yeah, I mean because you know quad, yeah, that would quad be so bike. Because <laughs> then you could really cause some damage if it was just say like one of those aluminum armor tanks. Wasn't very very strong, but it could it could deal out some hurt, right? Because a, a quad bike just who cares? The commander will drop a quad bike. You're like, great, a quad bike, you know? Because <laughs> uh, there's so many vehicles on the map anyway, and sometimes you can flank with it, but it's just it's really rare. Because you can drop like supplies, you can do like you know the missile, which is nice. Um, you can do the you can call in the gunship thing that people can spawn in, which is kind of a rando element in the map in my opinion. I don't really like getting done gunned down by the gunship a whole lot. <laughs> It's just kind of like death. God killed you because 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 random. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it doesn't feel great. <laughs> it's like it's got that Call of Duty feel to it, where you just like explode. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there is such a thing as having too much stuff going on on a map, in my opinion. One of the flaws Dice has is they tend to like have this kitchen sink theory of design, where like, okay, we're gonna do everything. And sometimes I think they would do better by just narrowing it down a little bit. I think that's why people like Bad Company so much, Bad Company too, because. It didn't try to do so many things, and the things it did, it did well. Yeah, you know? no, I, I was going to actually mention that. Like Bad Company Two was probably my favorite of the Battlefield games at this point. Like I really like Four though as well. Um, but man, I loved Bad Company Two. Well, another problem is Four launched on the brand new consoles, right? And this really, really hurt Dice because you could see that they were like barely getting it together. Mm -hmm. um, the game was really quite buggy at launch. I mean, embarrassingly so, across these brand new platforms, right? The platforms were probably buggy. It's just a horrible way to launch a game. I'm sure they had to do what they had to do, right? Budgets and whatnot. Uh, you know, the evil corporate overlords pulling the strings and all that stuff. But, man, that's a sucky way to launch a game. Like, I, as a programmer, I sort of could see. I was like, wow, this is bad. This is like a worst-case scenario for you guys to deploy a game <laughs> on two brand-new platforms. Plus, you're supporting the old crappy platforms, right? You're supporting the Xbox 360. Hmm. Your engine has to scale from, like, these hot, new, like, super high-end PCs to, like, you know, these really old consoles. The 360 and the PS3 are ancient at this point, right? So it'll be nice to see when they get to Battlefield 5 or whatever and they drop. It's like these... I'm actually very excited about the PS4 and the, the X-Bone because uh, 8 gigs of memory, essentially they're PCs. They have x86 right. processors. Like, this is kind of a golden era of gaming that we're sort of getting into. And I think it's going to be awesome. Like, I think some of the... Old, one thing they say, you know what, we're not even pretending to support the old consoles anymore. It's going to be nice. I mean, they're going to be really really big worlds and much better than what we've seen before so I'm optimistic about the future plus it's x86 centric this is very good for PCs yes you know? very much look so how easy your porting just got I mean god it's like trivial and, and it's kind of like been that way for Microsoft um, so, yeah because like they developed a lot of that 360 stuff it's pretty close development wise I would think at least between PC well the the processor architecture is so different. I mean, that's right. like ARM stuff, and, and the PlayStation 3 has this crazy S, whatever the hell it is in there. Oh, it's Jesus, crazy, yeah. It's basically crazy town. Well, that was um, a nightmare. I mean, the PlayStation was like the... Uh, well, neither one of them was a walk in the park, but now it's like x86, baby. Yeah. you know what's in there is essentially like essentially a low-end AMD 8-core CPU. Right. It's like Intel Atom level. People who think their consoles are super awesome, just, you know, the graphics are good, but like CPU-wise, they're 
just okay. Well, <laughs> right. cores and all, but they're like they're like literally modern Intel Atom cores. That's it's easy. it's all it's all in the architecture uh, of the but, design. Yeah, but yeah, but that's okay though because if you look at any modern game, I mean, there's no game I can think of that's CPU limited anyway. You know, no. It's just oh no, no, ridiculous no. amounts of CPU power. So it it was a good trade off well. to make. I, I'm like I said, I'm <laughs> bullish. I think this generation consoles is going to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and call it. This could be the greatest generation of consoles. I'm calling it. You know what's funny too is that uh, I can think of a game that was CPU uh, throttled and uh, Assassin's Creed Unity on the PlayStation really? Four. Yeah, that was that was their biggest issue was uh, processing for some reason <laughs> and not graphic. It was the it had something to do with like the sheer amount of uh, people on screen. I see. So, but other than that, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's almost all just uh, based on how much you can shove into graphic memory at a, at a good speed. Yeah, I mean, on this the PC, we have just absurd amounts of CPU power. It's like they have no idea what to do with it all. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and sadly, we're still so freaking graphic card limited. Though at least it's not not really. Well, if you turn down the resolution, if you're looking at 4K and stuff, then yeah, but. At a reasonable re- resolution, like 1080p, right, or whatever, 920 by 1080, it's pretty easy. Um, yeah. A $200 video card, you're going to blow everything away that's out there. Yeah, that's true. It's just, uh, yeah, I guess that's one of the big, uh, the, good lord. <laughs> Is there a cat attack going on? Yes, it, it does seem, uh, I apologize to my listeners, I do have a, a cat-based, no, 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 no. A cat-based mishap. <laughs> This isn't about you listeners. This is about me and Jason. That's true. So, yeah, screw you guys. Um, yeah, exactly. First principle <laughs> only podcast. Screw the listeners, man. That's right. That's, uh, we win hearts and minds. Um, that's, that's right. <laughs> but, yeah. So, uh, transitioning to a slightly different topic. So, one thing that I talked about a long time ago, and actually, when you guys talked to me in February, I just launched my discourse project. So, I didn't really talk about who I was um, Granted, you can look me up on Wikipedia because I'm super internet famous, but uh, um, yeah. I did this project Stack Overflow, which became Stack You'll Exchange. always be wumpus to me, so you keep that in mind. But I, Yeah, that's right. I was on Quarter 3 before any of that stuff happened. So all my interactions with Quarter 3 really predate any of this other internet fame that I had, including my blog, which was Coding Horror, which became somewhat famous yeah. in related news. Um, and then I left that company. Right after I talked to you guys, I just started the Discourse project. We had just started it. Actually, no, I just left Stack Exchange. So one year later, now I'm checking the timeline. That was the year that we were building Discourse. Now, Discourse is a discussion engine, right? Mm-hmm. It's literally a replacement for the type of bullshit software that you see on quarter to three right now. No offense, quarter <laughs> to three. <laughs> um, but I just want to point out, like, this software is terrible. It's vBulletin or whatever. It's like the worst software, right? And, like, my, my PM box is full right now on quarter to three because I was giving away these video cards. Well, not giving away. I was selling them for $100 under value just because I want to share with the because I like the quarter to three people I was like here have this video card for cheap right and people were trying to PM me about it and then my PMs got full I'm like why would my PMs be full are we measuring disk space in bits like what the hell is going on right like just the the stream of badness that comes out of um, uh, the bulletin is just just hard to conceptualize so I wanted to make official on this on this podcast I want to make an official offer we will move you to discourse at no charge to you we will host you wow. because, I mean, you guys are my peeps, right? The quarter to three, I've been on since, shit, 2001, the, before it was the blue boards or whatever. Oh, yeah. I know Tom listens to this, so, so hear me out, Tom. I want to host you guys. We'll convert you. We'll host you. 
We'll make sure you have an awesome experience, and you'll be on Discourse, and it's open source, so you're not giving anything away. You're not giving us your family jewels. <laughs> uh, uh. At any point, you say, screw you, Jeff. I'm taking my stuff and going elsewhere, because that's how open source works, right? So we're at a mature place. Discourse is at 1.2. Hmm. You guys can go look it up at discourse.org and see all the fancy feature demos and whatnot. But it's really nice software, and we have a lot of customers. We're actually just barely profitable as a company now, which took a little while. Um, hmm. We're not going anywhere. Um, the software, people really like it. Like, we've deployed to Imager. We've deployed oh, to Meteor, which awesome. is like a developer thing. And people genuinely like our stuff. Like, I was surprised, because usually, you know, people hate change. People hate... <laughs> People hate everything, basically, right? <laughs> so if you get positive feedback, you're doing really well, right? Because like, normally they will just yeah. tell you how much you suck. That's the way the human condition works. We've deployed to, to a lot of recent sites and gotten a lot of really, really positive oh, feedback. Oh, so, so you guys are now doing imager comments. I, I remember yeah, when it changed. Uh, yeah, I remember when it changed over. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that was you guys. Well, it's a long story, but I, I'm an advisor to Imager because we had a relationship when they um, began hosting images for Stack Overflow, oh, and so we carried yeah. the relationship forward, and I was having all these conversations with Alan, who's the founder, and I was like, Alan, you know, I, lo I love these conversations we have, but let's ask the community what they think about like the way things are going, the way the site should work, because these are the people that drive the site, the people that use it, right? Like, right. They have a lot of stake in what's going on here. And Imager is a very nice community-oriented site and always has been, but they need a place to talk to their community and for the community to talk to each other, right? Mm -hmm. And it's about making the product better. It's also about, like, posting cat gifts and whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, whatever they want it to be, right? But a small part of that is governmental work of, like, hey, let's clean up the city. You know, let's, let's elect somebody. Let's put trash cans on every street corner. Let's, there's this criminal outbreak on the street that we really need to deal with. Why are all my windows broken? Why is that street light out, right? <laughs> <laughs> governmental stuff. And it's fun, you know, because it's mixed in with all this other fun discussion, like you would see at quarter to three, you know? Like, yeah. I, I love going to quarter three, and I would ask quarter three basically anything about my life <laughs> and get pretty good advice, I think, from the community there. Yeah, there's a, a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life and uh, everything, yeah. So it's, a, it's an interesting forum, there's no doubt. And in another shout-out to Tom, one thing – Quarter 3 is kind of the inspiration for a lot of the things I'm doing with this course around freeform discussion. Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange were Q&A, and they were data, fact, and science-based, right? It was about right. the facts. It was about the data. It wasn't about your feelings. It wasn't about opinions. It was about what you can prove, right. plus or minus 20%. Um, now, you may prove that by going to the Bible and saying, well, the Bible says that's one way of proving something. At least you have a book that defines what you are, right? That's good. That's something. Yeah. Um, but ideally, it's science. Like, anyone could recreate this experiment and see that I'm actually correct about this, right? That's what Stack Exchange is about. Oh, yeah. Discourse is more about, hey, we're going to hang out and we're going to have opinions about stuff. Just like we have opinions about video games. You know, like, like Deuce X was the best game of all time. I'm sure everyone would agree with that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, yes. Yeah, totally. Totally, right? So occasionally there might be dissenting opinions. I don't know why. And that's what discourse is about. It's not about right and wrong. And I have a whole blog post about this. It was really a shout-out to Tom, and it's called, What If We Could Weaponize Empathy? Because in the process of building discourse, I realized that what matters to the long-term survival of communities like Quarter 3, which has been around a decade, right, more than a decade, is empathy, is the fact that people actually gave a crap about each other, right? Um, and Tom really explained this in a super succinct way, and I just want to read this, because I've, I've loved this quote for years. This is the great schism. Do you remember when quarter to three split, and some people went to broken forum? Oh, right? yeah, I remember it very well. Yeah, 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 this always happens, right? Because there's bullshit, yeah. and there's not enough government, so people have to split. This is the only way to deal, right? Mm -hmm. Which is also a problem, but 
that happened. And for the record, I'm banned at, at Broken Forums for also reasons that are also bullshit. You can look it up if you want. <laughs> uh, I didn't do anything bad there. Um, but they just didn't like the cut of my jib and decided, hey, you know, we don't really want you here. And I was like, okay, fine, that's the way it is. <laughs> because honestly, I don't know, I don't really understand Broken Forum. They talk about a lot of stuff there that I, I don't understand at all. Like, there's a lot of I don't, I don't even want to get into it, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I understand quarter three, but I don't really understand broken. It's a different community, and that maybe that's the source of the schism, right? Like they wanted different stuff, so that's fine. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, during I, the schism, I've been there a few times. If you read the giant topic, maybe you can link to it in the show notes that giant topic about the schism of quarter three into what eventually became broken forms. Tom said this: "Here is something I've never articulated because I thought, perhaps naively, it was understood. The priority for participating on this forum is not the quality of the content." I ultimately don't care how smart or funny or observant you are. Those are pluses, but they're never prerequisites. The priority is on how you treat each other. I expect spats, arguments, insults, even inevitable grudges. We've all done that. But in the end, I expect you to act like a group of friends who care about each other. No matter how dumb some of us might be, no matter what political opinions some of us hold, no matter what games some of us like or dislike, this community is small enough, intimate enough, that I feel it's a reasonable expectation. And this is all about empathy, right? So that was really powerful. And a lot of the things in discourse are designed to get people to think, how can I reply in a way that's empathetic to the other person? There's this little pop-up, like when you start typing for the first time, mm-hmm. it essentially reminds you of this. Like these are actual human beings you're talking to. You know that, right? <laughs> it's not just like some computer somewhere. There's a person on the end of that wire that's going to see what you write, just like you, right? Um, and there's a lot of stuff we do in discourse that's sort of it's like this, this, this thing that's underwater, like this um, giant floating iceberg, right? And the, the, only the top is visible. But underneath, there's so much work that we do in discourse to like, get people to behave in reasonable ways with these very, very gentle nudges like that. Um, because that's what matters. That's what's essential to community. And that would have actually prevented some of these tools could have actually prevented the split that you guys had, in my opinion. Ah, oh, well. So. <laughs> Could so have. yeah, it's all about sustainable community. So a lot of the stuff in discourse is is really a homage to quarter three in many ways, right? Like I always wanted to do this. So for me, it would be great to come full circle with Tom's permission, whoever else needs to sign off. And I would love for discourse to become the the engine that drives quarter three. I think that would be an amazing outcome. So like, uh, is it is it just a is it a forum software or is it a uh, forum plus blog software or how, how does it work? It's essentially, discussion software. That's, oh. I don't like to say forum because it's right. kind of a, has become weird. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. But it does what vBulletin does. It just does it a shitload better. Ah, there you go. Well, vBulletin is kind of a crazy thing, uh, you know. Well, it's aiming pretty low, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like saying, you know what? I'm a better citizen than this crack addict over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was what, PHP, uh, BB, I guess, that it was uh, competing directly with, yeah. Because, like, PHPBB was, like, free, though, wasn't it? Yeah, PHPBB is one of the few open-source choices. It's still awful, of course. Well, right, but at least you don't pay for awful. Um, yeah. But you can get free. Oh, uh, there you go. What, what a revolutionary outcome. Um, but, yeah, the uh, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, we'll have to... Yeah, absolutely, we'll have to hear from Tom. Uh, but, yeah. Well, after the call, I'm going to start a topic on... Uh, I won't, No spoilers, I won't talk about the podcast, but I'm going to create a topic, like, proposing this... Um, which is the way this is supposed to work, right? <laughs> I create a topic, we talk about it, people tell me how stupid I am, <laughs> how much everything sucks. 
so. and then we make some kind of decision about what to do. That's the way this stuff is supposed to work. Yeah. Now, granted, Tom is the key person here. Oh, of course, yes. Tom and you know, I don't know. Is Mark Asher still around? No, no. Nah. Yeah, he's been gone for a while. I mean, he's still yeah. he's still posts sometimes. Yeah, uh, he's still around. I'm not saying. But yeah, he hasn't written for the site in a long time. Um, yeah, f- uh, for us currently, it's uh, me, uh, Tom, Nick Diamond, and uh, other you know special guests. I mean, yeah, of course Bruce will do uh, the excellent Bruce things he does, and. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it, you know, in in the movie podcast by Christian uh, and Kelly Wand and uh, and usually Tom, right? But yeah, so yeah, it's uh, it's been a while for Mark. Uh, he uh, he works like I think in like a real like a real job now or something. A real job? Yeah. What is that? You know, the kind that has like you know results and stuff like that uh, for people whose job isn't to play games all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so what if, speaking of games, what have you been playing? Well, I'm actually super, this is going to sound really cliched. I know I'm kind of a one-track story. Let me just tell you, I like games where shit blows up. Like, and the mm. more shit, the better. Sounds good to um, me. So Minecraft does not work for me. <laughs> I respect Minecraft. <laughs> it's like sort of a new Lego and stuff. Oh, yeah. But it's the most boring game anyone has ever invented as far as I'm concerned. And stuff like um, Gone Home, I played it. Oh, yeah. And I was just so bored. I was like, this house needs to blow up. Can I set this house on fire? Where's my axe, right? <laughs> I mean, I get that it's this, you know, touching story, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just, if, uh, I don't know. I would just rather watch that as a movie. There's certain games that I think, coming back to The Last of Us, like, I'm fine with a game as a movie. Just give me a movie. Like, if it's really that passive, just do it for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, make me the star, and stuff better start blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's kind of a... Uh kind of like a, a fantasy kind of uh, thing for you. It's it's not so much just like enjoying it. It's more of a kind of a fulfillment. Well, yeah, it's like it's like let me interact with the environment. Let me right. do stuff. Oh, so so games I have really really liked. So um I really recommend of course uh it's surprising how good Saints Row 4 is. If you haven't played that, that's brilliant. Yeah. And also it's legitimately funny. So many games think they're funny, but they're really totally not funny. It's like stuff a 13-year-old would think was funny. Yeah. I think Saints Row has a very, very good adult sense of humor. I mean that in the best possible way. And also that Gat Out of Hell, the little expansion that came out, um, is also very, very good, and I would play that. Far Cry, or not, not, not Far Cry 4 I liked, but couldn't, I can't speak about. Um, I'm also very, very excited about, um, oh gosh, Just Cause 3. The next-gen oh. Just I'm super, oh, yeah. super freaking excited about that coming out. Oh, like, yeah. mark your calendar, excited. Um, because Just Cause 2 was like nearly a perfect game in many ways to me in terms of the way it let you get around the world like the way you could sort of grapple and like pull yourself on the parachute was brilliant and you just felt like oh you know, yeah yeah and, and Saints Row does that really well too because you can fly and in the, in the expansion you fly it's more like flying it's kind of a different mechanic um, but yeah you feel like you have agency in this world because you can move around so well right like all this stuff where I'm stuck on the ground here in real world <laughs> Oh, now I can do anything. Now I can fly. No, yeah, that's awesome. I love the Just Cause games. Uh, and so Just Cause Three, super excited. Um, um, and then the other thing that I played the beta of that I think has come a long way is Battlefield Hardline. Um, and it is significantly different than Battlefield because it takes itself a lot less seriously. Battlefield is kind of a serious game in a lot of ways. It's like you know huh. serious soldiers doing serious things and completing yeah. objectives from the commander. Oh sure, um, you got to get the this commander. This is just in like there. shit happens, right? Like. 
<laughs> you're just running around and just random shit will happen to you um, in the sandbox, right? Which is great. Uh, and the first beta was not good, but the second beta was amazingly good. Like, they delayed that game for, I don't know, six months or whatever. That was, that was a, the best decision they ever made because now it's like a really, really good game. If you liked Payday, mm. and I like Payday, but I felt like this whole bot concept is kind of just not where it's at. Like, having all these waves of bots yeah, just kind of is unsatisfying. Like, I feel like at the point where I'm mowing down like 50 cops in a round, like hundreds of cops, actually, it just starts to lose meaning. It's just like, this is ridiculous, right? Like, this doesn't even make sense. Yeah, um, it's a lot of cops. You think eventually they would just like drop a bomb on the place or something. Yeah, exactly. Like that. They're like, to hell with all this, we're just going to nuke the city because there's like Superman is here. Right. Um, it gets ridiculous. But the concept was neat and the way you do the heist and stuff. And Payday does that. I mean, excuse me, um, Hardline does that. This bank level, the heist levels, are what I think Payday should have been more like. Because you're playing against other humans, which is so much more satisfying because they're so unpredictable. They're not bots, basically. Uh, and that was awesome. That that was really, really cool. I would definitely recommend anybody who liked Payday but was like, eh, bots. Um, Hardline, I think, does that quite well. And also a faster pace sandbox where it doesn't take itself quite so seriously, but the same kind of sandbox. So I'm really, really looking forward to Hardline based on that second beta. Uh, and that's basically it. That's all the, time, the games I really have time to play. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of curious about, uh, about Hardline, because until you'd said that, like I, I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to it, because I assumed it was going to be like Battlefield Police. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of interested if it's payday-ish. Well, there's stuff like the zip lines, which once you start getting in the game, you start zip lining everywhere. Because one of the goals they said was to make it a faster-paced game, hmm. and they definitely succeeded in that regard. It's also much more infantry-based, which I think is a strength of the series. Like, I'm not a jet guy. Hel- I can do helis a little bit, but it's not like my oh, favorite yeah. thing. Yeah. But the infantry combat is actually really satisfying. So this is, I think, applying strengths to the series. If it's very good at infantry. Um, speeding it up, I think, makes it more accessible to a lot of people. Mm. And not being so serious is actually, I think, a good thing. Like, it's just really funny to be bl- riding around in your car blaring, you know, fuck the police and stuff, or Hell yeah. <laughs> on the radio, right? From Battlefield Vietnam, like, they had that thing where... Oh, yes. Yeah, I actually... And you can do that in Hardline, right? You can play the music and everybody hears it, and it's just, just ridiculous stuff happens, and it's, you know, it's just faster, more fun. I mean, it's not... If you hated Battlefield, you're not going to like Hardline. Right? Oh, right, yeah, it's sure. not going to make you that promise. But if you didn't like Battlefield and you like Payday, but um, we're kind of not so-so on the bots, I think you should really give <laughs> it a shot. And Payday was a solid game. They had some really good concepts there, right? Yeah, I like Payday 2 a lot, in fact. I've played a good bit of it. Um, but yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned Battlefield Vietnam. I remember I did this experiment once a long time ago uh, where, you know, you could switch out... Yeah, you, you, like you said, you could actually s- switch out custom music in your uh in your helicopter and they and they had that map that was basically uh you know um uh apocalypse now the yeah you know, the first of the ninth all that jazz did you play the vietnam expansion for bad company no too? i didn't actually i should I, I always wanted to but i never played it for some reason um but like you could change out music so i tried to find the worst songs to massacre people to and uh, the hands-down winner was uh, Man in the Mirror. Um, 
<laughs> because yeah, you could totally. To- well, what about something like Total Eclipse of the Heart? Man? I tried that too. It, it wasn't good. Uh, I did Love's a Battlefield. That worked out a lot better than you'd expect. Uh, <laughs> so wait, Vietnam would actually broadcast your music to everyone else? I don't know if it would, but it would play it for me, and that's all that mattered. It would play it. Awesome. It, the griefing potential there oh, is on, off the charts. Oh yeah. If you could actually do that, because think you can just make an MP3 of yourself doing whatever. Oh yeah. And play that as a song. Oh yeah. Wow. But yeah, I used to do that a lot, just trying to figure out, uh, yeah, what's the worst song to try to you know, kill a whole lot of people <laughs> with? And uh, that's it. I think there could be a whole Kickstarter game concept around who, you know, the griefing game of just with audio. It could get ugly really fast, though. Yeah. Yeah, it could get really ugly really fast. But the Vietnam soundtrack was amazing. They had, like, yeah. you know, The Bird is yeah. the Word and, like, all those classic 70s Vietnam um, songs. The Letter. Licensed. Uh, you should actually, anyone listening, look that up on YouTube. There's a playlist of it I was going through recently. And they also had uh, Hanoi Hanny or whatever her name was. Annie. Yeah, uh, Hanoi Hanna. The person who did all the, uh, gosh, what do you call that? Uh, oh, yeah. Where she would talk about yeah. how much, how stupid, how, you know, how America All the broadcast, all the yeah. And what's that called? Oh, God, I can't think of the word. Oh, uh, the propaganda? Uh, propaganda, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, yeah, the soundtrack also had uh, that Wagner, uh, you know, Flight of the Valkyries. And that was what, uh, I guess, kind of, like, inspired me in the first place. Because, I mean, you know, the idea was that, you know, you come on there, you, you get the helicopter, you fly up on the peninsula, you're playing Flight of the Valkyries, and blah, you get to pretend you're in Apocalypse Now for a few minutes. Uh, but, man, it uh, it was a good, it was a pretty good soundtrack. Yeah, I remember the, the letter by the box tops and all that stuff. was was really cool. Um, I really enjoyed Battlefield Vietnam. <laughs> I don't know why. It wasn't the most highly rated Battlefield, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I remember it. I think they just... The, the earlier games are very primitive yeah, <laughs> compared to what you see in Battlefield. Even Battlefield 3 was in some ways kind of primitive about the way it did things. Yeah. 4, as much as they screwed up on the release Man. and had so many bugs and, and stuff, they did. <laughs> oh my god, but they really got like the formula right in terms of like making it friendlier, console-friendly... You can actually understand what's happening in the game a little bit better. Yeah, no. It really nailed that part of the formula down. In Vietnam, they had not at all. It was still like old time art, you know, grognard. Oh, you were just. <laughs> I hate to say this because it's a first person shooter, but like if you look at old computer games, they were not easy to play. No, God, no. <laughs> you had to know a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of buttons, and. Oh, yeah. This concept of console friendliness had not really been invented yet. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You know, like, uh,. Like any of the Battle Cruiser games, they're not particularly console friendly. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I like Derek. Uh, but man, his games, uh, his games had a lot of commands. I can't imagine those kind of games getting traction now. Gaming has changed so much. Yeah, it's just so mainstream. Yeah, it really is. That's where Kickstarter's been coming in. You know, um, you see like a lot of that stuff kind of taken off there. Uh, I certainly don't think anybody would have ever uh, green-lighted any of the big space games that are going on right now, thanks to Kickstarter. Uh, yeah, like Elite. Yeah, got greenlit. Yeah, which is yeah, which is great for for those guys, but it's certainly not something that most uh, you know game companies are looking to make. You know, it's almost like when you s- oh, oh go ahead. Did you see <clears throat> Toe Jam and Earl Kickstarter? Yes, I have backed it. I'm uh, very psyched. What about I it. loved about that 
was the guy in the video first the fake British accent well spoiler alert he does this fake British accent for like a long time and he totally got me then he started clearing his throat and I was like why would he keep this on the video and then he like totally drops out he's like he doesn't have a British accent he was punking us the whole time but hey he created Joe Jam and Earl the guy is wacky obviously oh yes Um, but in the video he talks you should watch this video everybody listening because he talks about how they made Toy Jam and Earl, which is a brilliant, brilliant game. We played that in college. Oh, my God. I love that game. Oh, right? yeah. It was an ultimate co-op game. And then everything after that was just shitty. <clears throat> yeah. Like there was the, the Funkatron side-scroller. And then I even owned the Xbox game of this. I don't know if you did, but I did. Oh. And it was not good either. Wow, I did so not. I, I, I'm, I deserve this, first of all. I, I played the shit, the shitty games that came after that. But he mentions that every time they had a shitty game, it was because the publisher insisted that they do X against their better intuition, right? Right. Like, Sega said, oh, you got to make it a side-scroller. I was like, okay. So they threw away the sequel they'd done and did this goofy side-scroller. And then they did the Xbox. They're like, no, it needs to look more realistic. So they threw away all the stuff and made it look more realistic. And it just didn't feel like a Toe Jam and Earl game. I remember playing that and like, you know, why is it – it doesn't feel right, you know? Like, yeah. And it was interesting because Kickstarter – the whole point of Kickstarter is it gets rid of that publisher bullshit. It's just the game makers – making the game they wanted to make and the people fund it directly that part is awesome now obviously there's a lot of ways this can go wrong <laughs> I'm not saying the publishers are the only weirdness and variable in this situation people are out of money they suck at development they suck at predicting what's going to happen um, oh yeah I'm sure it goes wrong many many times but it is nice to hear that hey in the case of Toe Jam and Earl the specific thing that was a problem which is the publishers having these weird crap things that they make them do is going away yeah. you know that's perfect that's exactly why Kickstarter exists right know? yeah and that part I'm, very, I'm a big fan of I need to actually fund that I'd forgotten to do that I'm glad you reminded me oh yes yeah I actually have uh, talked to Greg Johnson briefly and I think he's going to do our show if he gets the time which would be pretty great oh please yeah and that'd be a lot of fun he's in I think he's in in Albany, which is like literally next, I could probably walk to his house from where I live if he's in Albany. You should go over there El and tell him to to get <laughs> come on the show. <laughs> that wouldn't be weird. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell him, Jason. I, I have a Wikipedia entry. You have to yeah, look at this. this. I'm in the Wikipedia. <laughs> look at this Wikipedia entry. I'm not some random guy. <laughs> There's a lot of people That's on I, Wikipedia, Jeff, that aren't aren't I, good you know, I'm people. A married man, but I often thought like on dates, was, they were like, "Oh, should I add you on Facebook?" No, add me on Wikipedia, yeah. baby. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> That's how important I am. I don't think you understand. Well, I've been quoted on Wikipedia, but I don't have my own entry. So, I mean, it's something to shoot for. Something to shoot for. One day. One day. Stick with it. Stick with yes. it. Yes. Hopefully it won't be for something horrible. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you, maybe, you know, it could work. Maybe. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, yeah. <laughs> Ten years down the road. Those famous words uttered by Jeff Atwood that night. Were <laughs> <laughs> well, then Jeff said, whatever it takes. And then I was like, okay. And then I was like, YOLO. And then I did it. Oh, there's going to be some YOLO. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, that's uh, I'm really looking forward to the whole to- uh, Toe Jam and Earl uh, revival. I love those games uh, on Genesis, of course. Uh, like, uh, I just kind of, uh, yeah, it was it, they were it was a huge disappointment that they they kind of just like went away or you know did the the side scroller thing and all that, but they never really got that magic back. And it was like such a cool split screen game too. Or was it? Did it split screen, or did you have to stay on the same screen? I want to say it's split screen. Well, split screen was always, I think, in there. It's just split screen side scroller. <laughs> right. And I know the Xbox split screened, so that part they got right. But the it's just 
everything else about it was just wrong. They all got bad reviews and justifiably so. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I, I played the side scroller. Uh, I don't think I ever played the Xbox one, but I remember it. Hmm. It's a shame. You are not missing anything. <laughs> That's good. I'm not going to go back and look. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Speaking of uh, crazy uh, older games, have you followed the uh, good old games uh, sales that have been going on? No, I haven't. You know, I've actually kind of fallen out of favor with sort of classic gaming. Like, I think every geek goes through this period where, like, yeah. they they discover MAME. Mm. <laughs> they discover emulation. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I did that, and then I played a lot of the games and realized, you know, these games are really not that good. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean... <laughs> like, a lot of the older games, um, like, I would play Fallout and stuff like that again. Like, those are... That, yeah, but yeah. Even within something like Fallout, like things have advanced. Games are actually a lot better than they used to be in terms of yeah. the mechanics and I don't know. In some ways, I don't really want to go backwards. I want to go forwards. No, um, I want to see what my kids' kids get to play. I'm not really so interested in thinking about the past so much. I'm totally with you there, but uh, I had to grab X-Wing and TIE Fighter. I got them for a couple of bucks each. So I, There's just something about X-Wing and TIE Fighter. Oh, man. Uh, and Drox Fobber. You know what I which I have. You know what I do love though? What's that? And I think we should bring back more is this idea that you play the good guy and then you play the bad guy. I always love that. Yeah. Like in Half Life, there was opposing force. Yeah. And X Wing and TIE Fighter. I was like, that was super sweet. Yeah. You know, being the bad guy is awesome. Like getting to play both sides. And also, like being the Emperor's hand, that was sweet, right? Oh, yeah. Getting your little tattoo on your arm. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm the Emperor's bitch and it feels good. I prefer TIE Fighter even in the end, yeah. I know. Well, TIE. Yeah, well, tie, one thing you learn really quickly is TIE Fighters really suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a reason they're, they're so disposable as spacecraft, because they're not very good, right? Yeah. Because the X-Wing, I don't know if you know this, is it is actually a superiority spacecraft, right? It's like right. one of the elite spacecrafts. So it's basically like a bunch of crappy TIEs versus this elite space fighter. Right, there's just so many of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a numbers game, right? You just swarm with all these crappy ships, and eventually they'll blow up. And then you, you start fighting tight Vance, and eventually you get the non-crappy ties that feel completely made up, right? Yeah. Like, oh, well, we can't have totally sucky ties. So, so yeah, there's tie Vance, and there's tie Interceptor, yeah. tie Bomber, and, like, all this stuff. It's yeah. Like, you're just making all this shit up, aren't you, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what other shapes can we make in the tie Fighter? Oh, yeah. All that the next thing, right? What if it had six wings? Hey, you know. Uh, yeah, God, that'd be prettier pretty crazy looking it'd just like be a big like flying uh, I'm pretty like, sure that clover. exists I'm gonna look that up on <laughs> Wikipedia or whatever you know they have that right Wikipedia that's sad are you in Wikipedia no I just happen oh, to know it exists okay. <laughs> I kind of wish you were <laughs> well that's a long story but the, the, the mascot for uh, Discourse was actually the TIE Fighter because Discourse was about having lots and lots of tiny discussion sites all over the like a TIE Fighter right <laughs> yeah. Whereas Stack Exchange was more like a superiority fighter because it was very specific and didn't work everywhere, but it was like the best at what it did. No, oh, yeah, no, I use. I'm not gonna. Let me save you from my strained geek metaphors, please, before I go any further. It's bad. <laughs> the uh, yeah, no, Stack Exchange is a uh, well. We'll put it this way: you don't see a whole lot of expert exchange anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we definitely achieved that goal. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that I like is I can go. And I give talks occasionally, and I'll say, you know, the reason we started was because of experts exchange. Yep. And how many people remember our experts exchange? And nobody raises their hand. And I'm like, that's it. That's what victory looks like. Yeah, yeah. You literally rewrite history. No, like nobody remembers the people who lost. I totally, I totally do. But I remember them for the reasons you remember them: <laughs> like, sheer hatred. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but over time, that stuff falls away. Nobody remembers the losers. No, yeah, no. It's just... And for good reason in this case, because they suck. Oh, my God. There was nothing more just, like, enraging being in the computer field and looking something up on the Internet and then finding a freaking paywall every time <laughs> because of Experts Exchange. Well, it was actually worse than what you're describing because it would try to trick you. It would make it look like it was obscuring oh, the answer. Yeah, it screwed with Google's uh, uh, algorithm by hiding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me explain in a way the audience can understand. Uh, yeah. So you would have some question. You would type some question into Google like we all do, right? Like, why why is water blue? <laughs> Press enter. And you get a bunch of answers or you know pages that look like answers to you. You click through. And if it's on Experts Exchange, it's like, why is water blue? And then it would be like, the answer would be in Klingon. Mm-hmm. It's like, why is the answer in Klingon? It's like, well, if you sign up, we can show you this answer. But if you scroll down really, really far, because Google won't let you do right. that. You have to actually show the information on the page. But so if you scroll down past all this you know, used car sales crap, at the bottom it would say, okay, here's the answer. You know, Water is blue because... I don't know, chemical composition of water makes... I don't even know the answer to that question, actually. But uh, it would give you the answer. So that was the game. It would just try to scam you constantly. It just felt super bad for obvious reasons because nobody likes to be tricked. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what they did 24-7. So that's why... That was the original design idea for Stack Overflow. It was sort of like that, but more community-oriented, creative commons, and not horrible, right? Not constantly trying to trick you, but like saying, hey, let's let's all share information because that's how peers learn from each other, right? Right. Yeah, no, no, I've used Stack Exchange a ton, of course. I think everybody has. Um, it's a very useful site for my programming and everything, really. And Stack Overflow is where I spent quite a bit of time. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's designed to be useful. Yeah. That's the main goal. Yeah. And discussions, one thing that, that is interesting to touch on here is discussions aren't always meant to be useful. Whereas on Stack Overflow, we won't let you post something if it's not going to be useful. Right. People get really pissed off about this, by the way. Even today, every day on Twitter, there's some rando berating me because they couldn't post their bullshit on Stack Overflow, right? And I'm like, look, this is the game, man. Stack Overflow is about high level of quality, stuff that matters, stuff that is actually useful information for other human beings. Just because you have something happening to you doesn't mean it's necessarily useful to other people. You have to sell us on that, right? Explain the problem. Explain, pitch it. Right, make us believe this problem actually matters, not just to you, but to other programmers. Right, right. That's the aim. And the other thing that's interesting about that is, when you do that, you actually end up with a much better question. There's so many times people have said, "Look, I went to post something on Stack Overflow, and I know it's really strict, and so I tried to make my question really good. And the process of doing that, I figured out the answer. Yeah, right. Because I was able to explain the problem, and I was like, "Oh crap, this is what it is." Right, because I spent the time to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> um, discussions aren't like that. Discussions. Don't say you must post something useful. Uh, what what does useful even mean in the context of a conversation with some random person? Right? It's just are you getting are you being entertained is ultimately the the variable. Plus, are, as Tom taught us, empathy. Are you being a dick to other people? Don't be a dick. Right. <laughs> and you know, have a good time. Ha- be entertaining and 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 help others be entertaining, and then you'll have a good discussion site. So it's a really different set of goals, right? Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, it's good. Uh, discussion's good. Talk is good. You know, I mean, and that and and that's really that's really cool. I I'm interested in discourse. I, yeah, I really didn't know you guys had. Uh, huh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So if this doesn't happen, um, I'm blaming you. Okay, master. that's good. I'm I'm used to that's it. That's on you. This doesn't happen for whatever reason. I'm coming for okay, you. Okay, that's good. Hey, at least uh, yeah, may, no no pressure. Maybe right. I'll get like a Wikipedia page then. If you hear that. <laughs> 
And you see a piece of paper held up that has Wikipedia printed out. Don't open the door. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah, I look through the people, and it's just like a Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, I hope Tom enjoys this episode, because I know he's still recovering. Yes. And I miss him, and I think everybody misses him. Yeah, we Obviously, we love him, and we want him to get better. So I'm happy that it's coming, uh, that he's coming back, and that things are, you know turned out great yeah no i think uh, i think it's it's certainly a good thing and i'm 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 pretty excited to have him back hopefully within the next couple of months because like i yeah it's been it's been weird not talking to him after talking to him for so long um, oh sure tom is the soul of quarter to three. oh yes and he has that buttery smooth voice mm, i can i can listen to it all day long <laughs> yeah tom's uh yeah tom's tom <laughs> And he's been playing a lot of Battlefield 4 lately, so uh, watch out, because, you know... Well, he's got to play some Hardline, man. i got to bring him around. I saw him reply to my Hardline comments. <laughs> uh, so hopefully he'll listen to my Hardline comments here and believe me, this game is actually really good. He loves Payday, so uh, it wouldn't be much yeah, of a and exactly. Sell. It shares some DNA with Payday, so I'm, I'm real optimistic about this game. But like I said, if you hated Battlefield, you're not going to like Hardline. Let me clear about that. Yeah. Um, so... It's not, you know, the most perfect game in the world. But who hates? Like, say, Portal. Portal is the perfect game in the world, right? Portal's a... Every human being should play Portal and like it. Yeah, Portal 2 is one of my favorite games, for sure. Like, uh... Eric done good. Uh, (laughs) I think you should cover that on the next show. What's the most perfect game, video game, that's ever been created? That you think every human being that played it would be like, oh my god, this is an amazing game. Hmm. That would appeal to every audience. That just works on every level. Master of Orion Three. the closest three. thing I can really think of. <laughs> yeah, no, Portal is good. Yeah, it's the yeah, it's like uh, it's very sharp writing. Uh, it's a really good length for uh, for what it is, and the puzzle's very interesting. So yeah, it's yeah. You know, you're right. I think Portal Two was really too long. Yeah. One of the problems that Portal Two had was it went a little too far. Now, I actually like the writing in the second half of Portal Two better than the first half. So I. It's like I don't I don't know, but but yeah, I think that is kind of part of it because it did like the last bit did stretch a lot. Though. Yeah, it was way too long in my opinion. Yeah, ah. but that's okay. It was just unfair. It's like Portal came out of nowhere to be this nearly perfect game. Because I remember reading like uh, what's that guy's name that does those video reviews that are really popular with all the oh, stick figure characters. Yahtzee, 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 yeah. and he was like, oh my god. Even he was like, this game, I, I there's nothing to criticize, right? Like <laughs> it was that good. And I was like, wow. <laughs> the guy who criticizes every game can't find anything to criticize about your game. Yeah. That's pretty much the definition of a perfect yeah. game, right? Yeah, I mean, that is his shtick, so... <laughs> and he does it really well, though it gets old. Yeah, oh, You yeah. notice that the topic about that on Quarter 3 stopped being updated. Oh, yeah, zero punctuation? Got, yeah, quite a while back, yeah. Yeah, because everybody's like, okay, this is your shtick. It's it's a good shtick, don't get me wrong, but like we've seen the show like 50 times now. That and the, the escapist is just kind of... Who knows what the hell's ever going on at the escapist, so... Yeah. Exactly. But I like that Yahtzee actually created his own game. I think that's awesome. I think it's, if you're really critical of stuff, I think you should start creating alternatives to the thing you're criticizing, right? Like, it's okay to be a critic, but at some level you have to be a creator. Yeah. Like, you can't just sit around and say, this is shit, this is shit, this is shit, you're all shit. It's like, well, what isn't shit? You know, to explain it and B, create something that is an alternative. Like, I didn't spend all my time going, experts exchange is shit. Nobody should use it, right? I could have written long blog entries, told everybody not to use it, or I could create an alternative that's even better. Which one of those has a better outcome? Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. And 
So I, I really respect that Yahtzee actually created what did he create Monica? I can't remember some game, but it, it was well received, and I think that's awesome. I think that's a, that gave him a lot of credibility from my perspective. Is like he's not just some pundit critic; he's out there like actually creating the things that he wants to exist in the world. Um, because that's the flip side of criticism, right? Like if you're learning what's really good and really bad about stuff, and you have strong opinions, that's great. Um, use that to create stuff that doesn't suck and make the world better, right? Oh yes, no, I absolutely agree, and that's uh, that's one of the more interesting things about. Uh you know, games and game design anyway, is that, uh, like, nowadays, is that, like, if if you do have an idea, you, you can create it. I mean, like, specifically, if you look at, like, all the uh, game engine announcements coming out of GDC, you know? Uh, yeah, that's awesome. And then game licensing used to be super expensive, right? Yeah. Like, or the engine licensing, and now it's like, they're just giving everything away. So, yeah, that's great. Even more people creating stuff. I mean, there'll be a lot more noise, but that's okay. You know, we're good at filtering all that stuff out and just means ultimately more good stuff. You know, 90% of everything is crap, so all you can really do is increase the number that feeds into that 90%. And then like, hey, now there's more 10%. Right. <laughs> because the number was bigger. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the good point. I mean, like, I was interested in some of the things that came out. I didn't expect Unity's announcement that they're giving everything away basically free, except with a splash. I do have edge. one criticism. Yeah. I do have one criticism. Is I'm really tired of 2D platformers. I know that a lot of indie games ultimately manifest as 2D platformers, and I just personally don't actually like 2D platformers that much. Like, I remember playing Mario and going, meh. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's just something. But Mario 64, I thought was awesome, to be clear. Yeah, it's well, just that's a great game. About, like, yeah. The first person perspective, like being there, like, I don't know, platformers are just, it's a really limited. I know it's simple and whatever, but like, I'm excited about these engine announcements because of what you said, which is. You know, basically, more people can create 3D games, right? Like first-person games. Like that's what I much prefer to play. Um, I'll play some great platformers. Like one of my recent favorites was uh, Mark of the Ninja, which was really brilliant um, on so many levels as a platformer. So much so that even I, who really oh, don't yeah. like platformers, wow, this is an amazingly well-made game. But I just don't want to play 50 platformers. I just don't want to do it. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the indie games manifest that way. It's like, oh, here's another platformer. It's like, great. Oh, my God. Another platformer, right? Yeah, it really does. I don't care how artsy and beautiful it is. I'm just, I'm done with platformers. It is kind of, a, it, it does end up like that a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's strange, too, because, like, having access to the engines that they do is like, I mean, even the ones before, you could still do more than a platform. But I guess platformers are just easy. Comparably, programming oh, yeah. wise, you know, because you can attach 2D I mean, physics okay. and all that jazz nowadays to everything and just kind of make it, hey! And that's okay, because 3D, 3D is complicated. I get that. And, and I, I understand the, the reasons that it is the way it is. But I'm hoping that with all these engine announcements and over time, more people do, you know, 3D stuff. Like, I was excited. I haven't played it yet, but there's some, like, procedurally generated 3D roguelike that people were Which, waiting about. I don't remember the name. Oh, is it Salt I don't know. People or... on the. Listeners, I'm sure you know what game I'm talking about, but uh, that was intriguing to me because I do like roguelikes. Mm -hmm. I don't like 2D necessarily. I don't like you know command. I don't like Dwarf Fortress. I'm just gonna go out there. Oh, well, <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, that's well, fine. You know, Minecraft is basically Dwarf Fortress for dummies. You realize that? Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, yeah, I, yeah, I like them. I like so. them both. But I mean, yeah, Dwarf Fortress yeah. is my thing. I love that game. I'm kind of a graphics whore though. I need pretty things blowing up, right? Oh yeah. Uh, 
or ugly. People. I enjoy that as well, but uh, there's something about the imagination, I guess, and just like the sheer amount of crazy stuff that can happen in Dwarf Fortress is what intrigues me. I think. All yeah, but because people were raving about some of these other roguelikes, I don't remember the names, Rogue Legacy or whatever. Yeah. And I played them. I was like, oh my god, another first of all, another 2D platformer where it's like precision jumping and like oh, you know, yeah. all that stuff needed for Mario. And it's like, okay, you die over and over. And it's like this just isn't fun. I don't care. <laughs> it's just not fun to me. But if you put that in 3D and made it into a shooter, I might actually like it. Because Borderlands and stuff like oh, that yeah. is, you know, leveling up. And I actually enjoy that. I'm not going to play Borderlands three times through because, you know, I have a life. I'm sorry. No. I can't level up every character in the game to level 50. Oh, yeah. But a procedurally generated shooter like that I think is really interesting as an idea, um, combining the roguelike and first-person shooter concepts. And I, I've heard some rumblings about things like that that are good, but I haven't seen anyone do it so well that it's like, everybody must play this, but I would play that. Yeah, I've heard a few people talk about this as well, but I've, I've never actually seen one that just, like, really grabbed me, you know? Like, uh, I like survival games, but those aren't really the same thing. Um, they can be, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it is strange. It, it, you don't see as, uh, you don't really see it done. I, I guess there was that one that was kind of uh, Cthulhu-based. Oh, God, what was that? Anyway, it doesn't. Uh, but, but, yeah, there has been a few, like, procedurally first-person, uh, done first-person shooters that I've heard about, but I haven't really tried any of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even turning Minecraft into a shooter would be a lot more interesting to me. I know there's, like, there is. some variant yeah. of it. There's, like... I probably should play that see if I like yeah, it. Yeah, God, I can't remember the name of that game either, but it is uh, it is 100% like they just cloned Minecraft and added like uh, explosions guns. and guns. <laughs> yeah, which is which is a cool idea. Right. You know? No, it is. Um, but no, I, yeah, I think I and I really like procedurally generated stuff, but I'm almost getting to the point where I miss people making games that aren't procedurally generated in a way, like. I kind of I kind of miss it uh, sometimes because it's like almost everything is like procedurally generated, with the exception of you know AAA titles and stuff. But well, even Toe Jam and Earl was kind of procedurally generated, right? The That's true. A little bit random, but that was you know I mean that was a really long time ago. So I think it still works. Oh, I think it still works too. It's just that it's it's strange that there's like it's almost like a, like zombies. I think it's a cool idea, and I love the procedurally generated stuff that works. But uh, I don't think every game can be fixed by sticking procedural generation into it. Well, on one side you have, okay, procedural generation. On the other hand, you have the story, the linear story games. Right. And you know, a lot of people like these uh, Telltale games. Mm -hmm. um, they did a Game of Thrones one. They did a Walking Dead mm -hmm. one. And I found those to be ultra boring. Because in the Walking Dead one, for example, no matter what decisions you make, you ultimately converge on the final story. Sure. Yeah, and absolutely. None of your decisions really make any difference. And that really, really bothered me. I was like, this is bullshit. Like, like you decide who lives, who dies, but in the end, it doesn't really matter because you're on this main storyline. Right. You know? So that, to me, is the difference. Like, once you commit to the story, it's like, well, you have to converge with the story. You know, you can't go that far afield. Whereas if you put me in a sandbox like Grand Theft Auto, it's like, I just make up my own story. And I'm okay oh, with that, right? That's true, yeah. If you're going to pick... Now, granted, these are two extremes. Right. I mean, I think you could be in the middle somewhere, have, like, story missions and sandbox and all that stuff. But if you have to pick one extreme, I would much rather have the sandbox extreme than the linear story extreme because I just find that so boring. It's like I would just rather watch – literally go on Twitch and watch somebody play the game. is is as entertaining as playing those stupid Telltale games. <laughs> oh. Like, gone home, you can just watch somebody else play it. So there's no difference. Yeah, I mean, I like uh... – 
I mean, I, I like the Telltale games, but yeah, I mean, I, I never finished the Walking Dead one. Uh, I kind of liked what I played of the Game of Thrones one, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that is what it is, though. I mean, that is, it's certainly, it's an adventure game, you know, and... Yeah, like Monkey, like I love adventure games, and like Monkey Island, you know, no matter what you do, up to the point at the end, uh, you know, you're going to fight LeChuck. Sometimes the illusion of freedom is worse than no freedom. Because <laughs> then it's like you see the illusion. Yeah. Like this is this just feels bad. Yeah. You know, you're showing me something I can't really have. You're pretending that you can do something you can't really do, and it's just why pretend? Just don't even pretend. Just put me on the story and let me, you know, because there's plenty of story games that work. I mean, like Half Life was a story game, right? Nobody would say that that didn't work, although the last, the Zen part, a lot of people bitched about, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eh. I wasn't a huge fan of it myself. But, I mean, the Zen part. But, up until that point, yeah, it was one of the. That would be interesting. In addition to, like, the perfect game, what do you think the perfect game is? That was one of the questions I asked earlier. What do you think is the best story based game you've ever played is? Um, I don't have an immediate answer for that, but uh, oh. I do think story based games are important. I'm not saying sandboxes are the end all be all. Um, ultimately, I just like playing against other people you know, in the long run. I think I was thinking about this the other night, and I it's almost a tough call, but I would i would probably go with Red Dead Redemption. Oh, man, I haven't played that. I want to play it, though. That's my favorite Rockstar game, and I think it has a lot of my favorite story beats, and it certainly has my favorite ending, so... And if you want to see the... That's a great, great answer. I like that a lot, and I want to play that game. I was hoping it would come out for PC, but those dicks have not yeah, really come out for that PC. Yeah, that really kind of irritates me, because, like, everything else has come out for PC, except for... I know, what the <laughs> hell, man? Except for Red Dead Redemption. I, I, I'll never get it, too, because it's so well, like, critically acclaimed, well-received, you know? I have a good example. Now, it's not a perfect game by any means, but, like, a game where the story really affected me, and I felt like the story was not the central point of the game but like became meaningful to me this is going to sound really lame but this, have you, did you play this game Shadow Warrior like the remake no actually I didn't first of all this was actually a good game it sounds lame I've heard it was Lo Wang 3D Realms all that bullshit history first of all it was genuinely funny yeah. in a lot of ways <laughs> it was well written and the story was actually really interesting I can't I don't want to explain it because I think you should experience it. But I had someone else play through it. I told them this. And they were like, yeah, we were right. This was actually good. Someone whose opinion I trust. So I'm not full of shit on this. But play Shadow Warrior and tell me that that story wasn't actually a really good story. And not exactly expected story. Like, I had sort of empathy for these characters at the end. It was, I was like, why? This is a shooter, right? Like, I don't care about this stuff. But, like, the story was kind of affecting me a little bit, hmm. you know? And, of course, the other classic that I have to reference is... um, uh. What is it? The the Spec Ops game, the one that where they do that firebomb and it kills all those people. Spoiler alert! Oh, uh, is it the line? Was that it? The line. Yeah, I I have that game. I have not played it, but I, I know quite a bit about it at this point. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert! There's a firebomb scene. Yeah. There's... Um, and that one was interesting. I like that, and I think the story worked really well. But it was a little bit too self-aware for me in terms of like it was trying. I don't want to criticize it because ultimately it's a great game. It's, it's also a very, very good example of story, overwhelming gameplay. But it was, it kind of was trying to parody itself a little bit, and I felt like that didn't work 100. percent Like I don't know, I, I was, I was kind of weirded out by it. But it was affecting. Like it would definitely made you play the game and then think about why am I playing the game? Am I in a game? It's just the breaking down the fourth wall stuff at some level feels like trying too hard. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, but it was really good. I would recommend anyone who's like feeling, okay, story, I want to understand story in games, you should play Spec Ops The Line because it did some stuff I haven't seen many other games even try to do, even if it didn't do them 100% well. Um, 
it's 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 worthy for sure. Yeah, it's. Uh, I actually do want to play that game. Uh, I have it on Steam. I it's a good I game too. I mean, in terms of like the actual in actual mechanics of like shooting and stuff, it's a good game. There's nothing wrong with it. Hmm. So. Yeah, I need to. Try but it. it's almost like saying, "Look, I'm an unremarkable shooter," and that's part of the weird thing about me, right? I'm just another shooter where you just kill a bunch of people. Right. And that's weird. <laughs> Why is that fun? Yeah, yeah, that is. <laughs> and it makes you feel like a dick for, like, playing the game, which is a really interesting feeling, you know? It's like, yeah. you know, why are we doing And that's this? why I paid attention. I was like, huh. <laughs> Do you like feeling like a dick for playing games? <laughs> then you should play Spec Ops The Line. But it's just funny, because, like, I had this idea a long time ago. It was kind of like a, a joke. Uh, it was to make a game where uh, when you killed an enemy, you saw, like, baby pictures of him. <laughs> oh, man. Like that. Oh, that's, that's fucking horrible. I know. You're a dick. Oh, yeah. You're a dick. Uh, I just... Oh, my God. I wonder God. what that would do. That's the worst, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so, too. That You're the worst person I know. ever. I've just I know. It's, it's wonderful. But uh, I, keep, uh, I keep wanting to do that one of these days. Uh, I think I had that idea during... When I was playing... How about every... No, no. Every time you shoot them, like, their mom appears. That would be even better. They're dead. It's like, hey, your child is dead. Here you Shit. go. They're Enjoy. weeping. You get to watch that happen. I, I think I was playing that game... We're terrible people. We're going Oh, to yeah, hell. I know. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm well aware. Uh, but I think I was playing 13. You remember that game? Like, it had, like, David yes. Duchovny. It, it's like you would, in some point... The cell-shaped Yeah, cell. and, like, you would kill people sometimes. It would do, like, these, like, different shots of it and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, it'd be funny if some of those shots were, like, pictures of, uh, like, them as kids. Hey, this one's for Tom, because I know he's going to listen to this. Do you remember that game? Gosh, there was a really good shooter based in Vietnam. I forget the name. Oh. But, it, like, you could you could, like, peek over obstacles... Um, I'm trying to remember the name, but it came out a long time ago. But it was really clever. It had some really interesting mechanics. It was very realistic in terms of, like, you get killed fast, right? And when you killed people, you would find this stuff on them, like letters from their parents, pictures, and you were like, holy shit, right? Like, I killed a person. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and I remember that feeling again of, like, that nagging itch of, like, I have, why am I doing this, right? Like, even in game form, it's just, it's weird. So that's another good example of sort of, like, ambient story. Like, wow, I killed somebody that was a person. <laughs> Not just a nameless grunt number 34216, right? Yeah, and I, I want to... Uh, I want to say it was Viet Cong. Yes, Viet Cong, yeah. thank you. And there was a sequel that wasn't as good. I think I reviewed that sequel for GameSpot. It was Purple Haze, I think was the name of it. Wasn't quite as no, good. No, no. Um, it was okay, but yeah, it wasn't It wasn't great. Um, but yeah, no, I remember that game very well, in fact, for that reason. That's funny. Uh, that's, yeah, uh, that's another good example of, sort of how to do story right. You know, it's not like punishing you with friggin' cutscenes and quick time events. It's like stuff just happens and you observe it and you're like, you think. Yeah. What's going on? Hmm... Yeah, man, that, was a, that, that is a, that, that, that's a... That's a blast from the past. That's funny. In in a related vein, maybe before we go, I want to give one final example. There was some parody game that came out, and it was like the parody shooter where like every time you killed somebody, it would just be ridiculous. Like Mountain Dew would spray everywhere. Doritos would pop out. It would go say stupid stuff like, oh, shit, you know, and like all these crazy meme images would come up, and you would kill all these people, and it was just like 420, you know. It was just like (laughs) every every stereotypical thing you've seen about the worst possible Xbox gamers in chat it would do <laughs> like as you were playing oh god it was just kind of a parody of a parody of like what a shooter is oh yeah and it was good for a few minutes of amusement yeah right? but it was very very over the top <laughs> I think it was called like 420 um 
even the name was ridiculous. I want to. I'm going to look this up after this call because I want you to link to this in the show notes because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it reminds me of a uh, what was that? Uh, 420 Blaze It. I think was what it was called. There was like, like this kind of pair. Most of those parody yeah. games don't work out, but like it's called Game of the Year 420 <laughs> Blaze. I don't even remember this. <laughs> you got to link to this in the show notes, man. People need to play this. 420 Blaze It. You say? Yeah. God, I need to see this. I don't even remember it. All right. I think we should end on that oh, note, because yeah. you can't end on a higher note than 420 Blaze It Game of the Year. Edition. No, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, in fact, uh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. It actually is kind of new, this game. It's Game of the Year. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Game of really every Well, right. Any yeah, any year. You could get back in time with this game. Everybody would love it. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, Tom, Tom's playing it right now. Oh, I'm sure he is. Tom Tom lives it. He's. It's like if you ever saw Lawnmower Man. This is basically Tom's lifestyle. Yeah. This isn't really so much a game. This is like a documentary. Right, right, right. Yeah, like I said, it's like Lawnmower Man, except, you know, it's Tom instead of that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, thanks for coming on, Jeff. Uh, and you know, everybody check out Discourse. Uh, and, uh, of course, you know. And get ready for the change of that's, Yes, that's right. Well, uh, God willing. And uh, I don't, I, listen, I don't want anybody with Wikipedia pages to show up at my door, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants that. Nobody no, wants that. no, God, no. And, uh,. All right, Jason, this was awesome. And another shout-out to Tom and also to the uh, uh, Quarter 3 community. I've been a part of this community. I know I don't post a ton anymore, but you know, in some ways, these are all my peeps in various Oh, yeah, so. yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're listening, please go check us, uh, you know. Or if you, if you want to shop through the Amazon link on the front page, it gives Tom, like, a, a couple of bucks. Or if you uh, are listening on iTunes and you enjoy what you hear, please uh, rate us well. If not, just don't rate us at all. That's fine. Uh and uh, you know, thanks to Jeff for coming on, and we will uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Four twenty, blaze it, peace out. <laughs>